0: Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host, Brendan Morahan. Okay, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the next Construction Big Breakfast um, podcast. We're delighted this morning that I'm joined by Casey George Dunleavy. Casey George and I met briefly at the Irish Post Awards uh, at the end of last year. And at those awards where uh, Casey George received an award for Outstanding Contribution to Sport, the discussion came up about sponsorship. And as some of our viewers know, we do like from a uh, CSR point of view to support charities and people that we think are deserving. And I think by the end of this podcast, you'll understand why we thought that Casey George was deserving. Casey, could I just ask you maybe to briefly introduce yourself from your perspective Take us up to how you got to the Irish Post Awards very, very briefly and then I'd like to, to dig into some of the detail thereafter.
1: Okay, um yeah so I, I got the Sports Star Award for 2019 at the Irish Post Awards last year. It was actually for my me and my pilot Eve for our yep. um our success of 2019. We were became world champions for the third time in the time trial and we won the silver in the road race at the world championships on the roads and I, yeah, So I'm a paracyclist. Um, I race, I'm race. i partially sighted. I race on the back of a tandem. I'm known as the Stoker. I ride with a pilot who's fully sighted at the front of the bike and it's a, it's a team sport. We, Myself and my pilot Eve McChrystal from Dundalk, we became Paralympic champions in Rio 2016 and we won silver in the road race. And since then we've become three-time t- three world champion in the time trial and we won silver last year in the road race and we were double world champion so previous, so 2017-2018 we were double world champions and um, yeah we were aiming for Tokyo which was this year but now it's changed to next year
0: Yeah.
1: a lot of changes happened there recently
0: Uh, introduction because we can't just gloss over everything you've just referred to there's so much more detail yeah, that I'd like to go into it if you don't mind but maybe firstly as this is the construction big breakfast um, I traditionally always have my porridge in the morning with some raisins and, and banana washed down with a nice coffee but more importantly what did you have for breakfast this morning I had
1: what I always have and that's
0: porridge <laughs> oh very good
1: yeah, I always start my day with whether I'm training or not. I always have porridge, and okay. I usually have around 60 grams of oats. I have a banana, I would have maple syrup, fruit, sometimes yogurt, uh, sometimes peanut butter, and some seeds, nuts. So it's quite, a, and milk. Um, so it's quite a substantial breakfast, and it's usually, you know, 700 calories in that bowl. Like right. Bowl of porridge. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: encouraging. So I could be an Olympic champion yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but let me go into a lot more detail about your successes, Katie George, because I'll be honest, I'm a great sports fan, uh, but cycling hasn't been one of them. But obviously, since we got to know you and we've been supporting you in a in a small way, I've been fascinated by your, your journey, really, no pun intended, because you actually didn't start off in cycling. You were in, in rowing originally. From what i understand
1: yeah. that's right i rowed for about eight years i when i was at university in my second year i got a call to ask to, to try out rowing power rowing which okay. is it's called now and um so i kind of was thrown in at the deep end of rowing and representing great britain 2004 2005 became world champion in rowing and, oh, yeah. and i carried on rowing until 2010 2011 Right. And after the rowing, I got into cycling in 2011.
0: But how? You don't just get into it. What, yeah, what no, you, you don't just challenge. get into
1: it. Well, I was, um, so I was in the Great Britain squad for a number of years. And after my success, I actually had a lot of injuries and I had a lot of setbacks. I... Because of that, I kind of lost support, but I carried on training. I carried on turning up for the trials year after year, and I was rowing at my local rowing club in Maidenhead. I moved to Maidenhead, actually, after university, to pursue rowing. It was as they had a good rowing squad, women's rowing squad, so I was there training every day. And I was aiming to, my aim after becoming world champion in 2004, 2005, was to aim to go to Beijing Paralympics. It was the first time that rowing rowing was going to be at the Paralympics and that was kind of my goal and it wasn't meant to be I didn't I wasn't successful in selection for the world championships let alone to go to the um, Paralympics in 2008 and yeah. but I carried on I, I still was so determined to to get selected for the world championships every year and then I was aiming kind of had the eye on 2012 London Paralympics as it was like a home games
0: cool.
1: But um so I was turning up every year for the trials and I was just I was just I was losing I w- I wasn't getting selected and and can I just I interrupt
0: tried- you you said you didn't get the support in what sense
1: I think once I once I got injured and I um and my seat as 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 it kind of was taken I I wasn't supported in terms of coaching or anything or I had to do okay. my own thing with the club so, the, the centre for at the time para rowing was in London Regatta Centre in the Docklands in East London. Mm. So, I travelled from there for university. I travelled from Southampton to London nearly every weekend while I was doing my degree, which was a great time. Oh. Um, I kind of had another focus instead of my uh, studies, but I, yeah. I, I kind of fell in love with that and I loved it. So I, And it was just something that I really wanted. So, I, I, I travelled up from Southampton to London every weekend for, for training then did the trials and um, after in 2006 the world championships were in Dorney and I got injured four weeks beforehand and oh. my seat was taken by the sub and they went on to win the world championships and get a world oh, oh. but after that it was just really hard to get back into that system I was um there was just no seat for me there and I had to just then after university I moved to Maidenhead and I was just kind of rowing there just with the club but trying to still trial out against um the people that were already in the Great Britain squad. So I was kind yeah. of but you know it didn't it didn't I still had that drive in me and I just gave everything I could but it just wasn't meant to be, I don't think. And then in two thousand and ten I heard that Ireland were getting a power rowing team together for the world championships. And then for I think looking towards London twenty twelve and I was as I was eligible as my dad's from Donegal,
0: yeah,
1: I I contacted the coach and said I am am eligible to ride for Ireland. I've rode for a number of years, and they would. He was like, they were kind of delighted and said, come over to Cork. So I flew over to right. Cork a number of times and trained with them, and then I went for the. Did you meet with the
0: lads from Skibbereen?
1: That's right. Well, yeah, I never met them actually. No, <laughs> and uh, but that was the base. It was the same lake that they went out training and where right. the the rowing base is So I was there and I was there in the winter and the spring and they also came over to England there's a few of us that were based in one um, athlete she was based in London I was based in Maidenhead so they came to our clubs as well and we trained out of our clubs in England and in the trials in 2011 I missed out on selection for the world championships by like one percent and was told and at that stage I was just I, I couldn't I just think it was the end for me. I just couldn't take it anymore mentally and physically. I was just done. I was I still had that drive in me, but just um I, I just it was just um I was just I think that was it for rowing. But at that time when they did tell me that I wasn't successful in getting selected, they said that the paracycling coaches were interested in me trying out cycling. Okay. So that was the start really for cycling right. for me. It took um took the coach uh, a couple of months to persuade me to go over to Dublin for the testing because I was I think I was just so distraught with the rowing and it just I just it had needed a break actually from sport yeah. <laughs> in a way not not completely I'm still active I've, I've been always active and that's actually been so important for me to be active I'm, yeah since I was a child but just that system I just kind of thought oh no I, I just I just need a bit of time and I didn't realize cycling was an elite sport for I could do on the tandem. I didn't realize it was world championships, and it was in the Paralympic games. I didn't know,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. but I did go over in the August two thousand and eleven. I went over to, D- to Dublin and I did some testing, and I met the coaching. and um, They said after doing a ramp test, um, the coach said we'd like you and another. Um, there was another girl from Ireland. She had been racing on the solo bike for Ireland. She'd never been on a tandem, but they said we would put, like, you like and Louise to represent Ireland at the World Championships in six weeks' time. Wow. <laughs> I was about like, oh, you haven't seen me on a bike yet. <laughs> you know, actually, out on a bike. And they said, "We, from what we've seen and what we've read, we believe you'll be great. So that was just, like, someone had belief in me, and I was kind of going, do you know what? This is a great opportunity. You can't turn it down. So,
0: so the physique?
1: Through my head, I just went for it.
0: Technically they'd be very different, but presumably the physique needs similar attributes for both sports?
1: Yeah, I think physically it's very similar. You see a lot of people go from rowing to cycling, cycling to rowing. Yeah. But it's a very it's what's really similar and I found out straight away is I, I did a t um when I was when I was, you know, thrown in at the deep end of cycling, as I was in the rowing, I did a ten mile time trial after a couple of weeks and I was just like, this is so similar to rowing in terms of the long you did long um, head races in rowing where there were 20, 30 minutes long and it was just that kind of stamina and the strength, which is really important. It's it's yeah. similar, kind of crosses over, but also that that mental it's, it's not me- mental toughness and stuff, but it's that drive and commitment. You need to st- put a lot of hours into rowing as you do into cycling. So yeah, that sure. kind of just crossed over in that way.
0: So, so that was obviously a pivotal moment and, and I'm really looking forward to then discussing what came thereafter but just to draw a pause there you mentioned several times that you had adversity um but you still had the drive within you how much of that was personal drive and how much were you supported by family friends coaches people around you
1: um i think it's very much individual um part of me I, i it has to come from yourself no one else is gonna like make you do it or decide for you you have to do that yourself but of course that support around you is really important that support network so you know the coaches in ireland saying you know we can believe you're going to be good that was okay that's that's important and and putting in place for me to start cycling out you know um to get me going so i was i was able to race at the world championships in that six week time and then my my parents supported me fully and they always have and Um, and you know that that's always been there and that's very important as well so that team around you you can have all the drive you you want but you need to have that that support network around you it's very important
0: yeah sure so then you you're now a a cyclist you need a new machine and you need someone to cycle with how did that all come about then (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah it's kind of going from one team sport to another but it's just the two of you so it's um so, yeah, I, as I said, I went to the World Championships yeah. and I got a, a decent enough result to kind of carry on in the squad for Ireland in the paracycling squad in, in an aim to, to go to London a year later. So yeah. I actually competed in the London Paralympics just a year of cycling. Yeah. Amazing. amazing. Yeah. So it was just so from going, if I went two years before that, and I was at that time when I was trying to get, you know, selected for rowing and it, I was just rowing, with not just rowing with my club. That was an amazing experience in itself. But just that you know I I kind of didn't know if it was going to happen and then if someone said you'll be racing in London Paralympics (laughs) at a different sport (laughs) wouldn't have believed it for the world you know but um so I went to London and I was still new to tandem racing at that stage so it was experience and exposure for me but I was so I worked so hard leading up to it with another pilot so I had actually from the pilot I had at the first world championships in September in 2011 when it came to London, I had another pilot who came on board. We Why had was Nine that? months together because she got injured, the the, okay. ride, the female rider was, I was with. Yeah. She wasn't able to carry on. So I got Sandra Fitzgerald for nine months leading up to, to London. And we both worked really hard. And we both didn't want to make up the numbers, even though we were kind sure. of new pairing. We wanted to do the best we could. And it was the ra- the racing lead the races that we had international leading up to london and the races in london just gave me such fire in my belly when i you know we were fifth in london 3 fifths in the seventh i just kind of i just saw the others on the podium and i was kind of going I, I knew i believed i could get there and that's what i wanted to do so when i came home from london i was like right the next four years i'm going to work towards rio and i want to i want to medal and I had another. I had that drive still from rowing, just ch- channeled into another sport.
0: But how you can't, as you said several times, you can't do that yourself. So you had the drive, but you need to then be aligned with other people who have similar drive, both nationally, in the sport itself, and actually your partner. How, how does how did that come about?
1: Yeah, and well, so Sandra, who raced in London, unfortunately, the year after she she left as well. So that's a difficult thing with. With tandem racing you need to find two people yeah to work really conceptually lively for years together because it's such a team sport it's not just any two good people individually will get together and be good on the bike Um
0: yeah.
1: it takes a lot of time and most cyclists haven't been on the tandem before and it's a different way of controlling a bike and working with that other person on, on, on the back and in 2013 was a year of really. I had I was trying different people out on the bike, and some of them couldn't commit, and and um, I was improving myself, but I wasn't really kind of getting the results I think I knew I could have got because I was just in, with a new person, and so um, it was kind of frustrating, and I wasn't sure if I would carry on or if I could carry on, right. um, unless I found a pilot who who would really stay with me. And especially as, as kind of I could see Rio coming up. Yeah. It was coming upon me. I still had a few years to go, but I, it, I was I was, getting a bit anxious and frustrated about that. But then in 2013, um, Neil, my coach, so I had a new coach come on board in 2013 after London, who's my coach still now, Neil sure. Delahaye. Yeah. He um, approached um, Eve. She was domestically riding on her solo bike in Ireland. She'd new to cycling, but she'd come from triathlon approached okay. her and asked if she would like to try it out um as a pilot and she was she was like yeah sure we'll give it a go and so then she she did a time trial um, with someone else at the end of 2013 and another and um, partially sighted um lady and then it was 2014 we went on a training camp together and then that was the rest of history we then carried on I think once we did a few races together and she knew that I wanted to go to Rio and I had that aim um, she was in for it as well and she wanted the same and we've just both worked and what what we cre- together and worked hard.
0: What would you say created that bond? Was it one of personality and chemistry or was there something more mechanical than that that when you were on the bike together it just felt more fluid and more natural?
1: Yeah, I think that's I think we're both even though we're both very different people off the bike in a way personality wise, we're both so driven and we had that I don't know that tunnel vision and and that same goal. We're both so that that drive in us, um, that passion in us is, is kind of there, and we we love the racing. And I think when we're both on the tandem, like I love racing on the tandem. Like the the speed it goes once you get really up and running, and two of you working well together, it's just an amazing feeling. And I think she felt that and she loved it as well. Mm. And when after we had a bit of time together, and we were able to to move efficiently on the bike together, and kind of you know, read each other on the bike, um, I think we both were just kind of going, "We could do great things here." We just we just knew, and I think we both felt it on the bike.
0: But but t- take me through then. How do you synchronize? Bearing in mind that you're partially sighted, um, you're relying very much on Eve being the eyes, I suspect, for the tandem. Yeah. How do you, she can see what's coming and how you navigate that? How do you really make sure that you are totally in sync with her so that you're getting maximum power? Um, albeit facing the obstacles or whatever resistance is ahead of you. I, I, I can't quite get my head around how you do that.
1: It's um, well, with time on the bike for sure, so then it's that time training together. So when it comes to the racing and you're not talking as much on the race because you're under so much pressure okay i go by feel so it would be by by feeling i'm quite intuitive so i've got a good i'm quite good at reading things without you know without seeing it so it's how how it feels on the bike and when when eve is putting pressure through the pedals i would feel that and so i'll put more pressure on as well okay when she's out the saddle i'll be out the saddle quickly like really reactive i'm really adaptive on the back of the bike as well i found i think good stokers are really adaptive to whatever cadence the bike is doing whatever um you know whatever happened you have to be really adaptive and and i i think i'm very good at that and it was really just feeling what so as eve the pilots would be concentrating on what of course the effort they're doing but also what is ahead of them controlling the bike i'm I'm concentrating my effort and in reading what they're doing in front. So that yes. be a different it's it's, yeah. it's 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 being it's like being on a simulating like on a simulator where you can feel the movement.
0: Okay. It's going yeah. left,
1: you're feeling yeah. right. But you're not necessarily in control of it. It's a pit like that. Yeah. But you're, yeah. but you're what it, what you're doing through the pedals and your body. You're actually moving that machine together.
0: So there's absolute trust as well between both of you. Yeah, you've got to work against each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's it. You can't. I can't be hesitant on the back of the bike. It, it will just. It will go. You know, the bike won't move well then, and it can be quite. It could be dangerous as well. So I have to be have complete trust in the rider in front. I have to have complete trust in Eve, and, and I. You know, I do. I have complete trust and, and um. You know, she has. A great responsibility there at the front she's in control of both of us yeah. as i yeah, say sure. my life uh, life life at times yeah um but you know she does a great job and um she's she's got us out of tricky situations at times you know so oh. um, <laughs> i have complete trust and she has trusting me as well she has to trust me at the back that I'm not gonna yeah. do anything on the back of of the <laughs>
0: So that was the beginning of 2014 that you got together and then the Summer Olympics in Rio was in 2016. So uh, at what point in that two two, two and a bit year period did you really start to think this is coming together, we've got a chance here? I'd
1: say 2016 really, but even when we were in Rio and when we were getting ready for the time trial, we didn't know, we were hoping that we'd win the time trial, but we didn't know. We hadn't won um we hadn't won a world championships in the time trial leading up to no. the year before we were fifth or sixth. and um, but we had well like, wait we had won World Cups on the time trial, but we hadn't come across New Zealand, which were the world championships in the time trial. And they were like a big 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 threat for the time trial at Rio. Um but we, we really didn't know but um we did believe you know i remember eve the warm-up in the the time file and rio saying i have a good feeling about this and i said why so we both we we had worked so hard to it and that's all you can do when you when you're you know i never focus too much on the goal and in, insight in because i have so many you know so tokyo's next year i'm not really thinking about that at the moment because i just expel all my energy and thinking about Tokyo even if it was in four months time I wouldn't necessarily be thinking about that I'd be thinking about the processes leading up to it and that was the same for Rio we did everything we could so all we could do on the day was just do our best and just give everything we could and we go you know we always in all our races we we hurt ourselves and we give everything we have we don't want to let each other down or our support network so we kind of just give everything
0: And go on then. So,
1: yeah. tell us what happened. So, yeah, so in
0: 2016.
1: So, we raced. Yeah, it was like two and a half years after being together, but like years and years of work, really, um, from other sports as well, I think led me to that gold. We won the time trial in Rio in the Paralympics. <laughs> so, it's just, Incredible. it was a massive, it was, uh, you know, when we crossed the line and we collapsed, we were like exhausted. We couldn't talk. It was you know it was hot um we couldn't put our legs down we couldn't stand up but we were both like relieved is one of the emotions we remember we were relieved that we did it um but when we found out a few minutes later that we'd it felt like a long time later to be honest with us not yeah, a few I think, minutes i don't know if it's yeah. a few minutes it must have been it might have been more than five we had see we had four or five good bikes after us in the okay. time toll, we were, and then you go off at one minute interval, so yeah. we had to wait for them to come in to find out where yeah. we had come Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: and um, no one could find out for us because I think the scoreboard was like hundreds of metres away so my family were there trying to look through their cameras and phones to see the scoreboard and they said, and I remember my mum shouting out to us gold, <laughs> and they were all cheering and that's when we realised we that has to be wow. And and but I but we weren't sure to celebrate until we found out officially. So we had a member of staff go off and find out, and they were like, "Yeah." So that's when I, I, I we both like I screamed and I jumped off the floor. I was one minute I was exhausted on the floor, but suddenly I had this just surge of energy from finding out that we had won, and we were yeah we had the feeling of relief elation joy just so it was really emotional a roller coaster had so many emotions go through me I can imagine just thinking about what what you know all my the past really from the rowing to the cycling that we had together the, the highs and the lows that we've been through and then just the sheer effort of racing that day to get that result and to actually do it and stand up the podium it's just
0: it must be incredible
1: Incredible, yeah, it's absolutely incredible.
0: So few people experience that; it's unbelievable. Well done.
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you yes. so much.
0: But then that—that that was it. That was the penalty. You didn't need to do anything after that, did you? You could just relax for the rest of your life and live off that.
1: Well, no. Two days later, we had the road race, so. <laughs> <laughs> which is my favourite race out of all the races we do on the track. We race on the track in the velodrome, and then we race on the roads. And when it comes to the Paralympics, we're racing on the track. few days before we raced on the road and we had the time trial on the road first and then two days later we had the road race which is the longest race in a way it's it's like 80 kilometers um and that's you know lots of things can affect that result as you know the strongest and fittest person doesn't always necessarily necessarily win the road race it's very tactical there's luck involved positioning lots of things going on there um and we so we after our time trial after we had that massive high, i remember going to sleep and we were re- reading looking through our messages we had so many messages through i slept you know with my medal under my pillow
0: okay
1: woke well, up to my medal there but the next day we had to re- we had to think about recovering for our race which was 2 days later so it was all focused on that then and concentrating and making sure the bike was ready mm-hmm. making sure we were ready for that road race yeah. and we won silver
0: silver and that's so incredible too yeah.
1: yeah
0: tremendous it really yeah, was fantastic but then you have to wait four years for another Olympics or maybe longer as we'll go on to in a minute but then of course you had the world championships the following year
1: yeah that's right yeah so I came back from Rio and um Eve said she'd carry on for another year um for the world which were the world championships in um, South Africa a year later yeah. And aim for which we hadn't got a world championship medal and that's one and as I you know I found when I first started cycling six weeks later I went to world championships and I saw the rainbow jersey and I saw and there's Mark Rohan he was in our team and he won he became world champion and I saw him on the podium and and I saw the my opposition on the podium and thinking oh I've got to beat them I'm sure I've got to beat them give (laughs) me a bit of time and I just wanted that. So then, when you know you said let's go for a world championship medal, a year later I was like, absolutely yes. Like we've become Paralympic champion in the time trial. Let's try and win world champ, become world champion in the time trial. Champions. So a year later we raced in South Africa, and we won the what time trials first? Usually we won that, became world champions in the time trial, and then two days later we won the road race to become double Amazing. world champions.
0: Incredible. So we won-,
1: <laughs> won both of them, which wasn't you know we were after we won that gold in the time trial which we were uh, aiming for we were like, let's go for it in the road race as well of course and so we did
0: incredible yeah,
1: yeah.
0: and then all you had to do was retain it the following year
1: <laughs> well that's it yeah that's no, the hardest bit now as you've got there you've got to retain it so <laughs> which is kind of kind of harder in a way you have everyone else moving on and coming up but um yeah again you've Eve carried on, and she was always going to retire after the Rio. In some ways, so it's just like wow. carried on. <laughs> and um, she said, oh, oh, "Like we, we, we had to go and retain it. Of course, we had to retain what it in Italy. What else would you do? No, what else? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, and we, and we did. We retained both of them in Italy, and they were amazing races. Uh, yeah, tough racing, of course, and hard to get. And we did. So I was just, just delighted. So actually. how
0: how do you? individually and together keep that motivation to guard against complacency because you've achieved so much and it would be easy just to sit back and maybe try something completely different but to relentlessly keep on pursuing your your dreams what drives that yeah
1: um i think it's just we one is love of the sport we both love it and I think exercise is a, exercise is important to us in a way. You know, being active, so we love yep. what we're doing. But that drive, I think, it's just. I know we still have that drive. I, I know a lot of people, like you say, after they become Paralympic champions, World champions, are like, oh, I've done, I've done it mm-hmm. now. and We're a bit crazy to keep going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think we've never really been too complacent of anything. We're a bit hard on ourselves at times. We're always pushing. We're always trying to just be the best we can be and to push ourselves and improve and it's amazing that we're still but Eve won't mind me saying she you know she's 41 I think or 42 <laughs> or oh, next year she will be I'm 38 I'm going to be 39 at the end of this year and we're still improving and we're still getting better really really so it's
0: incredible
1: yeah so it's it it's just as long as we can do that we I think we'll keep you know I I, I will keep going and um and I think we've just got that drive in us, and it's it's just something that's inbuilt in us, and it just won't ever kind
0: of go. And, and obviously, the uh, the current situation that we're all experiencing it's it's tragic in so many situations. You know, an, an awful lot of personal loss, a lot of devastation economically and socially as a consequence of that. Um, so certainly not to belittle that. But from your own personal point of view, where you've been focusing on on Tokyo, I suspect for so long. And for that almost to be taken away from you. How do you deal with that? And how do you keep yourself motivated?
1: Yeah, I mean it's just really it hasn't been really taken away as such. It's just been moved on a year. You know, okay. that name is just it's just moved on another year. I mean I've dealt with it, okay. Um, I just look at it as so many people are dealing with so much worse. Okay. I can still do I'm lucky I'm a cyclist actually, even though I'm in Ireland and We weren't able able to actually go out on the bike for six weeks. Just until recently, we can go five k radius from the home now on the bike, so we're able to go out now. But I just so I'm actually I'm I can train indoors on a turbo, which I do at home a lot and a lot at home when I'm based in England. So I'm fortunate that I can do a sport that I still can train in and I can still do my job. And and there's so many other people that are so far like of course worse off. Okay. And um, I, I just go, you know, yeah, yeah. It was a bit of a shock. We had for, We were looking at five months up to Tokyo, and it's changed. <laughs> yes. yeah. so it's changed.
0: Yes.
1: You just, you just have to um, change your training and change your mindset, and go, okay. okay. It, and it's for me, it's like a process again. So I just, it's stepping stones. It's I'm working on. I'm looking at here and now, and then you know when the racing comes back. There's no international racing this year either, so. I had world championships this year as well and they, they're, they're not happening. So actually I've got just training for the rest of the year and that in some ways is kind of going to quite hard because it's good to have races, but I actually love training. So if there's no race this year, there's no race this year, but we will hopefully have time trials on the road here in Ireland where we'll have something to just to, to, a bit of an outlet for all the um, training we've done. But um, you just, just, just change your frame of mind. You just change the training, but it's, yeah. It's only just been changed to another year,
0: so it's, it's fine. It's interesting because I know that the there are always always similes brought between sport and and business, and and they can sometimes be a little bit forced and a bit uh, bit try to again as well. But what struck me with what you've been saying is there is that this persistence. But but if I've understood you correctly, it's less about having a long term vision; it's about getting these short term goals achieve them and then think about where you go on to next. Um, from from our perspective, we tend to think about it slightly different. We have a long-term vision and then work back from that. Yeah. Um, have you got any insights that maybe people that are watching that from a business point of view can, can take and learn that says, right, well what is it about sport that helps you achieve what you've achieved but still keep sight on what an end game could be?
1: Mm-hmm um yeah i mean i still have that that aim that long-term aim it's important to have that um for sure but it's that process and here and now i think it's more important you know you could lose a lot of energy looking like you said you know too far ahead and i think yep. it's that, that positive mindset as well um and you have to have drive that um ambition you have that that team around you is really important but i think it's you know that positive mindset um of every day of all you're doing, but having kind of small goals for that week, yeah, as well. That's
0: and who you've mentioned the term process several times, and that's very much a business term,
1: right? Yeah. In,
0: in sports sense, what does that process look like, and who de- who devises and develops and hones that process?
1: Um, well, it's myself really, but my my coach, as such, would would have um, he would have um, our kind of training plan annual training plan for the year. And that we'll have at different times. We're working on different things to get us ready to peak for those races. So really, I have an easier job. I'm just following what he's setting us to do. He's telling us what to do. And we're just doing it.
0: (laughs) That's what I was going to ask. Is it as clear cut as that? Is he decides and you do? Or do you have a discussion about it and, and...
1: We'd have a discussion as well, of course. I'd have some input, and if I wasn't unsure, or if I wasn't unhappy, if I was unhappy about something, or I felt like I could improve in another area, or yeah. I, I didn't feel something was working for me, I definitely would have to discuss that through with him. It's communication's really important. Yeah. And um, it's about controlling the controllables. So that's what you're in control of, certain things. But when it comes to the race, you know, a lot of it is actually it's not under your contr- control in a way. It's the outcome isn't in your control. It's usually what what you do to get there and what you do at the time. But it's um, that communication there is really important. It's it's a, it's a teamwork. It's it has to work both ways.
0: And that's that's interesting. What you can control is that is that real control or does it just have to feel as though you there's a perception of control?
1: Yeah, perception of control. I think. Yeah, sometimes you can. I think. you you, you know you hope and you think about the positive thing where you you go okay this is you know i'm going to have a good session here i'm going to give everything but sometimes that's the only control you have and yeah and that's that's it it's not a bad thing not being in control of things i i i'm i think said i'm like quite adaptive and if things don't work out it doesn't matter i think it's actually a good thing in training if it doesn't work out because it makes you look at it and work. Three things a bit more, um, so you, you know you learn three more when things don't work out, mm-hmm. and that's okay to happen in training. You just don't want that to happen in a race. Yeah,
0: sure. <laughs> <laughs> but and of course, uh, that uh,
1: happens as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think again, in in industry, we all try to think that we can plan ahead. We have method statements, risk assessments, but of course, life happens, and uh, some things you just have to adapt and you have to deal with it. So you. If we just start to bring this to a close, Casey George, it's been great speaking with you. You've had time to reflect now with the uh, the delay to Olympics, and please God that you'll go on to have similar success next year over in Tokyo. But is there any insight that you can bring to these periods of reflection that might be of value to to the people who are watching or listening to this podcast, either in business or or just generally, that uh, they may gain from your experiences and, and your thoughts?
1: Yeah, just, I think, well, it's a tricky one, really. I, I try and just try and keep positive in and, and everything. Um, think about, I don't know, the here and now, where you are each day. And, you know, and, and maybe don't be too hard on yourself either. Praise yourself more. A lot of people are quite hard on themselves these days. But I think it's really important just to enjoy the little things in life, I believe. Yeah. Like yeah. The fresh air we have our health and you know your family that's more important than anything i believe
0: yeah sure sure and what about the you know we, we in a very small way we we try to support you but how can organizations help you and other sports in a similar situation to achieve not only, not only because you win medals but you inspire uh people i don't know whether that embarrasses you or otherwise but i know that a lot of people particularly youngsters will look at you and want to be like you so how can organizations support you to provide that sort of stimulus for the for the nation particularly difficult times like this yeah um money of course well
1: yeah yeah Yeah, promotion promotes promoting us you know um and it, of course, the money, the financial side, that always helps. Um, cycling is a very expensive sport, so you <laughs> have a lot of, of equipment to buy. Um, mm. And unfortunately, you know, that's, that's just part of cycling. We're against co- countries who do have um, the, top, the top equipment and I kind of have to, to compete against them. Yeah. And so businesses can really help that way with a lot of sports people, I think.
0: And if people did want to help you, how can they uh, find out more? I mean, we can put uh, any addresses on our website if if it helps, and on this podcast we can put some links. Well, how could people contact you if they wanted to hear more about your story or discuss how they might be able to support you more?
1: Yeah, so I, I have a um, a Twitter account, Instagram, and um, Instagrams. I would love to probably you probably write it down because it's on top of my head. <laughs> I don't think I know. It's or, KG Dunleavy. Okay. And I think the same for my Twitter and my email address or even my phone number, really. I I wouldn't mind people talking to me on the phone. Um, My email is kgdcycling at hotmail.com. So that would probably be the best way
0: to contact me. Okay, well, with your permission, we can put those links on this podcast. Yeah, of
1: course. I'm on on Facebook as well.
0: Very good. And, of (laughs) course, if if anyone wants to... uh, to come via us be more than happy to to make that referral well look it's, uh, it's been lovely speaking to you and um i know that eve you're you're currently training with eve so please pass on our best wishes yeah. to eve as well we hope the training continues uh to go from strength to strength and we're looking forward to continuing our support of you and looking forward to more success in the future but for the meantime really appreciate you joining us and i appreciate everyone else joining us and i uh, hope you've enjoyed And please do support Katie and other Katie George and others in her situation. It's important for the nation, so please continue support. And for everyone, Katie George, Eve, and everyone out there, keep safe. Bye for now.
1: Great chatting to you. Thanks.
0: And you come to invent for the highest R&D tax credit you can claim. We help construction businesses get back millions in tax credits every year. Contact us today for a free review. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.